Welcome into episode 35 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by Travis Graff of Cats Illustrated for a uh, little bit of a special edition of the show. Um, First off, Travis, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Jack? Second I'm, episode of the week. I know we needed it after uh, all this doom and gloom going on in the world. We needed a little bit of a little bit of positivity. You know, the sun shining now. Uh, we just we know we just felt it was necessary to throw back throw the headphones back on and uh, and and talk a little bit. So the first part. So the reason why this is a special edition of the show is we were planning on bringing on a very special guest this week after you know after our original episode we were going to bring one on later in the week and we were, st- were we're still going to do that um but then a bit of pretty significant breaking news kind of came out on Friday afternoon with Johnny Juzang freshman guard out of Kentucky he announced that he is leaving the program entering his name in the transfer portal and going to explore his options so uh, right off the bat man like let's let's break down this decision what went into it the timeline of it all um, because we we've talked about on this show that this was a very likely possibility at various points in the season and and that this was something to monitor a little bit, but um, it, it seemed like the timing itself, and I know we'll talk about how there were rumblings earlier in the week and all that, but the timing itself after the big, uh, the, his big end of year, you know, kind of seemed like he was growing confidence on the floor. It just kind of seemed like this was a random decision. Is that kind of uh, your initial reaction to that, Travis? Yeah, I thought that it kind of died down and that maybe he would have felt like he would, uh, slid himself into a role off the, off the bench, knew what to look forward to next season. But as me and you have talked about off-air, I think that he felt he could show more than he was going to be able to sh- to uh, show at Kentucky. And I feel like he felt like he needed to do that somewhere else, that he wasn't going to get the opportunity at Kentucky. Yeah, it's it's a tough decision because you see a guy like him who who had you know his role on the on the team by the end of the year. I mean, he had carved out this perfect role for him. I know he had three, 33 minutes against Florida to close out the season, but that was mostly because Ashton Hagens you know missed missed the game. They only had seven scholarship players available, so he he was kind of forced into that role. But before that, it really seemed like he he had kind of you know taken over that you know sharp shooting role off the bench. I think he'd made. 50% of his last you know, I think he made 10 of his last 20 from 3 or something like that. So he was he was starting to at least maybe might have even been 20 of his last 40. I can't remember. And that, uh, and that shows you how bad he started off the season. Right. Because I think he was only shooting 32 or 33% for for the season and he shot that well at the back end. But everybody forgets at the beginning of the year he had mono or he had some some weird illness at the beginning of the season yeah. where he missed a lot of time and I think that put him behind the eight ball. Yeah, in terms of development, and there's there's always an adjustment for reclass guys, and and you know for him coming across the the entire country, you know two thousand miles away to go to Lexington, it, when you're moving up a year automatically as a, as a reclass guy and moving across the country, there's obviously going to be some adversity. There's always there's there's going to be some some hurdles that you have to climb. You know you know 
there's there's always going to be some type of trouble that you're going to hit, and it's about how you're able to overcome that and, and kind of carve out your own role and do all that. And it seemed like he had gotten through the majority of those, and it, and and that's why I think it kind of came to a surprise, at least for the Kentucky basketball program. Now, we want to talk about kind of the lead-up to it and kind of the timeline of it all, because we talked back in January. I was up at the Hoop Hall Classic, and I remember I called you right afterward. Um, I, I talked to somebody from the West Coast that was, at, that was at the Hoop Hall, and he told me flat out, he was like, dude, you do know that that Johnny has his bags packed that he's he's leaving right like potentially immediately like he was gonna it was gonna be a mid season transfer the same way Khalil Whitney had left and th- so this was who Paul I believe was January mid January I think it started the 18th I think so this was right after the. Uh, right after Christmas break, so he had had the opportunity to go home, talk it over, with, talk things over with his family, and uh, you know I think they had come to the kind of the the general conclusion that it was time for Johnny to at least start exploring other options and start to um, you know in in this this other individual's eyes said he he was you start to pack his bags, um, so. Travis, I know we we talked about that. What do you think? Why do you think he opted to stick around the first time around when it was very obvious that he was strongly considering a transfer um, and and kind of stick it out the rest of the year? I guess I don't know what all went into him staying for the rest of the season. If he, I don't know if he ever went back and forth like, "Hey, I'm going to stay. Hey, I'm going to leave. Hey, I'm going to stay," or if he's had his mind made up the whole entire time from then until now that he's going to leave, but. I think that he was starting to get the hang of some things in practice. I think Cal was really – I'm sure Cal was being a big advocate. You, you heard uh, how Cal was talking about him to the media a couple days ago, talking about <laughs> how Tuesday. he has big plans for <laughs> Juzang in year two. Yeah. And I think that – I think that he probably stuck it out for Coach Cal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I mean, it, he, it really did seem like he had – grown comfortable and I think that's part of the reason why the coaching staff kind of felt like so I I didn't know on Johnny's end how if his mind had changed or anything like that but I do know that there was there was some growing confidence on Kentucky's side because they were aware of the transfer rumors. They they had I think they had talked to him about it and kind of said, hey let's let's try to tough this out. Let's figure this out. They knew of it, but I think as his role progressed and as he was you know starting to see see his shot go a little bit more and when you know especially to close out the year against Florida when he saw okay this is what kind of impact player I can be at a school like Kentucky with 33 minutes a game you know if I can if I can it doesn't even have to be 33 minutes if 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 he knew that he was getting anywhere from you know 20 23 minutes to 27 minutes a game, something like, you know, something in that range where he could at least come in, you know, not feel like he's going to get, he's going to get pulled with every missed shot. I think that, you know, that would have been a big indication that he, that, you know, he wanted to stick it out for the long haul and that he would have been comfortable doing that. And, and I think that's what kind of led the Kentucky staff to at least assume that, okay, I think, I think we fixed things. I think we, I think we've, we've kind of figured out those, those issues. And, and I think he's comfortable, uh, uh, I think he's comfortable coming back, and I think that's why John Calipari literally on Tuesday during his video teleconference with the media, he came out and flat out, if there was one player that you would have a takeaway of um, that that he hyped up the most out of all of his players on the team, I'd argue it was Johnny. He kind of said, he kind of said, we ha- we think that Johnny could be in the mold of an Emmanuel Quickly making a sophomore jump or P.J. Washington making a sophomore jump. Basically saying, he now knows all of the the 
excess garbage that goes on with being a freshman, all the clutter, all of all of that stuff. He knows that going into his second year now. So now he can erase all that and just build on his confidence. So I think that's literally why four days ago he was John Calipari was assuming assuming that he was going to be back for a sophomore year. So now Travis, you were kind of on the the you know you you were the first to kind of um you know I know you told me was it Wednesday night or maybe it was the day before. Uh yeah, so I I think it was I thought we had talked about it Wednesday night, and then Thursday is when. The I tell you what, during this quarantine, all these days are running <laughs> together, so I can't tell you. I, Wait, it, I think it was. I believe it was the day before he transferred. If I remember correctly, there was scuttlebutt about the fact about him potentially changing his mind, and that he that he was um, the the transfer talk was back. I think it came back Wednesday night, and mm-hmm. then Thursday during the day is when people. Uh, kind of talk, you know, started talking about okay, this is starting to get more serious. And I think by Thursday night is when people I, I know in some of in our group chat and, and some of the other people that we've talked to, that's when people started going, uh, yeah, I think I think it's happening. I think it's a done deal. And um, and now that we, I think John Calipari gave a quote right after the transfer happened on Friday, Friday early afternoon that said that the call happened officially that that this that. Juzang and his family called Calipari on on Thursday night and basically told him, "Yes, it's it's happening." Um, so when uh, one thing that that was kind of interesting about the the timing of it all, and and I called the same person that I actually talked to with the hoop hall, um, and I asked I asked him on Thursday early evening, I believe I think it was like six or seven, and I asked him if he had heard the new because uh, you called me about it, and I was in, basically said, "All right, let's let's divide and conquer. Let's figure out who. Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's see if this is actually happening." I called one of my guys out on the West Coast, and he said uh, that he hadn't heard anything brand new, but said he he kind of gave a quote that I want to I want to get your opinion on. He said that Johnny feels like Devin Booker did at Kentucky. He sees himself as Devin Booker in the NBA rather than what Devin Booker was able to do at Kentucky. He kind of thought that he was um, kind of pigeonholed into one, you know, as, as a catch-and-shoot, you stand on the corner and, and you're just a catch-and-shoot guy, whereas Devin Booker, you know, kind of like what Devin Booker was, is just a, a simple catch-and-shoot and maybe get a run-out basket here and there, but he was a prime, you know, he was a primary shooter on this team. Um and then obviously when he got to the NBA, it's like everything shifted when when the ball when the ball went through Devin's hands, he became an offensive superstar. So I want to know what do you think of that comparison and kind of just the roles and do you think that that Johnny's going to be able to you know kind of get get that role somewhere else? Uh, I'm not being mean toward Johnny whenever I say this whatsoever, but freshman Devin Booker on this year's team would have averaged like 17, 18 points a game. Doing what he did in 2015, just right. standing in the corner. Right. And I think it's unfair to compare. I, I get where Johnny sees himself in that same role, but the talent isn't comparable. Um, I think that Juzang, like uh, our friend Kyle Tucker at The Athletic, he talked to his dad, I believe, and he was talking about how Johnny always had to look over his shoulder to see. He, he felt like he had a short leash whenever he'd mess up. He'd, he'd come out of the game or – he would only play whenever it was due to foul trouble or injuries from some other player, not because of his own talents. Yeah. So I feel like he can go somewhere that because Kentucky's a machine. Kentucky's a factory. And you got to realize that when you go to Kentucky, they're not going to quit recruiting players. Right. They're 
same way at Duke, same way at North Carolina. When you go to these schools, they're going to recruit. And I think – I don't think he ever should have reclassed to come to Kentucky because yeah. I was high on him preseason, but then I kind of saw that his mental his mental toughness, I don't think – it's hard for a 17-year-old to handle the grind of Kentucky and the bright lights of Kentucky. Yeah. But when you're coming from the West Coast to Kentucky – like all the way across the country to be part of this. And then you get your confidence shot. Cause you've always been the guy you've always been the least score. And then you play five, six, seven minutes a game and average two points a game at Kentucky. I, mm-hmm. a 17 year old me, my ego would have taken a huge hit. Yeah. So I understand where these kids come from. I get it. I 100% get it. And if he transfers back to the West coast to be more comfortable and feel like he has a better role then more power to him, nobody should be bashing the kid. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway. I think I don't know who said it on Twitter, but I think the first instinct for some fans is to reach out to them and say, "Oh, you're soft. You you can't you can't beat the grind. You don't know what it's." It's like, dude, you have to understand from from his perspective too. I mean, this is a kid that had grown up on the you know he's an LA kid. He's been there his whole life. He'd been around his family his whole life. And he packs up his bags and moves completely across the country by himself a year earlier than 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 he was anticipating. So he missed out on one one whole year of high school to move across the country, play at a you know where you are literally under the biggest spotlight you could imagine, um, arguably in all of college basketball. And you, you know it it happens like you. you he probably, you know, even that Kyle Tucker article. See, he came out and said uh, that that he felt isolated. He felt like he, um, you know, he was just different from everybody else. He he, I think they even said that his family rented a, an apartment close by to where family could kind of come and and stay close to him and kind of give him a home away from home type type thing um, if he wanted to kind of escape the noise of, of Kentucky basketball and and it, it just happens. It it, it was a. I thought it was a good fit. I thought Johnny was going to be a fantastic player next year. I think by his junior year, he could have been a, a legitimate starter and, and potential star on this team. But some Yeah, I think he would have started his junior and senior year. And something that I think – I think you should give him a thumbs up instead of a thumbs down because he is a 17-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid like we talked about. I know how I was at 17, 18, and – my ego's through the roof, and through and for him to not be a distraction, just keep his head down, keep grinding, and get better as the season went along, while having all these thoughts, says something about his mental toughness at the same time. Yeah, it, they, I think they're. They, they, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, you know. It, it, they can, you can be mentally tough, but still not think it's the right fit to 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 think. Okay, well, um, you know, I wanted to take a chance on myself. I wanted to see if I could do this, but I, I you know, maybe. I mean, look what look at. We'll, we'll get into the kind of the long string of transfers and uh, you know on the West Coast and all that stuff. Um, but look at a guy like Kyle Wilcher. He kind of came in. He kind of did the same thing. Kind of took a chance on himself. Said, "Man, I kind of want to be a part of something special." Uh, won a national chi- championship at Kentucky, and then after his sophomore year, you could just kind of tell that it was like. You know, I, I I don't know if this is if this is the right fit for me. He goes to Gonzaga and he plays his butt off. He becomes a you know he he becomes a, a star at the college basketball level at Gonzaga. One of their best players. I think he he got a couple chances in the NBA. You know he I, it it was a good fit for him. It was a, it was a good decision on his part to transfer. Um, he st- Kyle Wilcher still hypes up Kentucky all the time when when he's interviewed. I think Marcus Lee just did an interview with KSR the, the other day where he talked about that same thing. Said I was a West Coast kid. I wanted to you know go back home play play with the 
my state of California across my chest, and that's okay because I still love John Calipari. I still love you know the Kentucky basketball program. It just it wasn't meant to be long term, and I think that's what Johnny Johnny's situation is. I think Johnny's Johnny's dad said the same thing. Said we're going to always respect Kentucky. If if Calipari calls us five years down the road, we're going to answer that phone call and say thank you for for giving us that opportunity and all that. I mean, it's 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 sometimes things like this just happens. It's it's attrition. I got a question for you. Um, if everybody knows about the the, it's not really a long list. If you think about it. like, if you don't sit down and name them all, you would think it's a long list, but it's really not. But out of all the players that Kentucky has had transfer out of the program, Charles Matthews is probably the only one that you miss being at Kentucky that you felt could have helped at Kentucky. Like Kyle Wiltshire got better going to Gonzaga because he's a better fit there. He wouldn't have helped as much at Kentucky. I think Charles Matthews would have helped a lot at Kentucky had he had stayed. Do you think Juzang will be the second transfer Cal's had that's going, that would be a uh, help at Kentucky down the road? Or do you think he's going to be in, on the list of players that, and eh, we don't really miss them. I think this next move for Kentucky uh, is going to kind of be a strong indication of that. I think, um, cause at this point, I think Kentucky does need to add a, a, a new, another guard, prospect i don't know if it's via uh, grad transfer just a normal as a normal transfer as a reclass guy i don't i don't know how how he wants to go about this but i do think that they need to add another piece and at this point if they if if he kind of swings and misses on this guard this guard prospect and we go see johnny thrive elsewhere then I think it would be a big, a big, big time sting. But um, it, it's, I think, I think there's just so much unknown because we don't know where he's going. If he goes to, uh, you know, the the biggest rumored place right now is USC. He could go to USC. Um, I don't know, you know, this instant transfer rule is going to play, so he's probably going to be able to play next season with Evan Mobley. I mean, that that squad is going to be pretty solid next year. So if, if UK can see him kind of become a star at home with a, alongside some other super you know superstar te- slash just you know very good college basketball players en route to a sweet 16 or something like that in the tournament i mean at that point then yeah i definitely think that it's a that then that that'd be definitely a, a big and big regret for kentucky fans everybody's banking on dante allen being better than juzang too which i think if allen never would have got hurt he would have played a role last year right i said that on the last episode but i think also, at the same time, knee injuries are really, really tricky, mm-hmm. and who knows how he's going to bounce back. I wouldn't, I mean, I think he's going to have a good career at Kentucky. I think he's going to contribute next year off the bench, but you can't absolutely count on somebody that is coming off a major knee operation. I, and and we, we talked about this on the podcast. Um, one of our very first ones, actually, um, one of the conversations I had with, you know, one of the summer report type things with, with someone that watched this, the summer practices that said that Dante Allen, even though he wasn't able to be mobile or anything like that, as a pure catch and shoot shooter, you know, on the perimeter, he was the best on the team, better than Johnny, better than Tyrese, better than quickly, better than anybody said that he was the best catch and shoot guy on the entire roster. And if, when he said, when, when, when they said that, I was kind of like, I mean, maybe, but <laughs> the proof is in the pudding with guys like Johnny and and Tyrese and all that who who kind of became known nationally as shooters. Whereas Dante Allen, yeah, he put up forty you know forty ish points a game as a senior before his injury. Like you know we we know what he can do, but compared to you know at the at the at a school like Kentucky, 
alongside star talent against star talent, what could he do? So I'm I, I'm still very interested to see, but the early reports on him were very, very glowing. Um, I watched him at a practice out in, in Vegas before, you know, it was the one open practice we were able to see of the year. And Dante was so un, uncertain with himself, uh, trying not to for you know push himself to to get back into action. That that was the time um, the people were still thinking, oh yeah, there's a chance that he'll he'll come back this year and and burn his red shirt and, and play. And after I saw him practice, I was like, no, there's zero chance he plays this year. He's just he's just nowhere near mentally ready. He's not physically ready. It it, it doesn't look like. So I think yes to to, to say that. He has the potential to be a, a, a great replacement for Juzang. It's there. I mean, I 100% agree with that. But I think it's just so early to even a, a address that side of things because, because it's just, um, you know, it's, it's a knee injury. It's, it's, he has to come back from that physically and mentally, and, and we haven't even seen him take a, a, you know, play a single second on the floor. So it, it's very early. We'll, we'll have to see where that goes. Um, but one person that, that – has kind of been in the news a little bit over the last couple days uh, as a potential Johnny Juzang replacement. Travis, you are in love with this topic. Is none other than 2021 number one overall prospect Jonathan Kaminga, uh, who uh, decided to put himself in the news a little bit with a um, with a TikTok video. I can't even believe we're at the this time, you know, this this age where we are reporting on TikToks and and you know I feel like such an old geezer. All these TikToks and nonsense uh, but he puts out a TikTok video that that he comes into the room he opens up the door with the John Wall introduction for from his rookie year in Washington where they basically say six foot four from the University of Kentucky making his you know welcome to Washington John Wall and he comes in and, and with that audio in the background, he does the John Wall dance. There's a little uh, Kentucky basketball mascot. He's doing the John Wall dance, and at the bo- at the top of the screen, he says, uh, "This might be me someday," or something like that. Um, and obviously, it sparked quite a bit of controversy slash interest. You know, given the timing of the of the Juzang transfer and all of that. So, Travis, I want to get your very initial reactions to uh, the 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 Jonathan Kaminga hype. Do you think this is real? No, not <laughs> at all. And I've had about, I would say 30 to 40 DMS or people tagging me like y'all seeing this. Is this something? Is this something? I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, every time I'm thinking, we talked about this on the last episode. I'm, if everybody deciphered every social media post from somebody like Lynn Bowden in football, you would have thought he was quitting the team a thousand times just because he's tweeting about his girlfriend or something like that, or uh, tweeting about a friend or something, just stuff that don't have to do with the game. And people like kids are going to have fun. Um, he's just make, and you guys remember he met John wall and he's always been, Kaminga's always been a fan of John wall, but at the same time, Oh, first of all, that the John wall dance he did, to the duck, uh, to teach me how to Dougie was the worst dance I've ever seen. Kaminga <laughs> needs to get his dancing skills up if he wants to play at Kentucky. But was, I thought it was there was a little there was a little bit of swagger in it. It was it but, wasn't. But you can't dance. That's the thing. That's why you think it was good. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think that. Well, what kills me is yeah, they're clearing up room for Jonathan Kaminga. I'm like, all right, so Kaminga plays the two and the three, a position that Kaminga would never play at Kentucky. He would play the four, and 
those 10 minutes a game are really going to be something to the 2021 number one player in the class. I, I mean, that's just sealed the deal. Juzang leaving? Yeah. <laughs> boy. That's like, like, like I don't know. I'll put maybe a 5% chance that Kaminga comes to Kentucky. I've, I've pretty much written that off. Yeah, it's um, it, we've we've talked about him, and it, it, there was a time that when when Calipari and Kenny Payne and and it seemed like they were putting them on the full court press, they were going all in on um, you know, going to see him as often as possible, going to watch his games, going to watch him in practice, and it seemed like the 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 stars were aligning for for that that possibility. Um, but it seems like ever since then the Kentucky talk has died out completely, that it's been 100% uh, LSU, even though LSU's not even on his, on his list. Duke has crept back in the conversation. Auburn got some buzz for a while. Texas Tech with his brother got some buzz. I mean, you know, random schools like Georgia and Nebraska. It's, it's, his recruitment has just been such a just, – just such chaos, and, and it, it's tough. So – I don't envision a scenario where Jonathan Kaminga, because I do think he does reclassify to 2020 still, um, but I don't know how he would fit in with this roster. I don't know. I mean, he's a he's the kind of guy that you make room for. You you kind of just get him and figure it out. He could be a. I've talked to his coach. Which he would be arguably the best player on Kentucky's team next year. Uh, he'd definitely be top three guaranteed at minimum. But yeah. I think he'd be Kentucky's best player if he was added, but. If people are tired of attrition, if you add him, there's going to be more attrition. Yeah, I think uh, I think at that point, Keon Brooks would would probably explore his options because he would likely be playing Keon Brooks' role. If I had to guess, um, as a you know, I think they want BJ and Terrence Clark on the wings. If if this you know if Emmanuel, say Emmanuel comes back in this scenario, they want BJ and, and Terrence Clark on the wings, and you would likely put. Kaminga as that small ball floor for the exact position that Keon Brooks a was getting to close out the year and B was 100% going to take next season at Kentucky. So if that were to happen, it would almost, it, you know, it, it would almost certainly at least make, make Keon think about exploring his options and transfer elsewhere, which I don't want to see. Um, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword though, because yeah. Kaminga is so dang good that you have to make room for a player like that you just have to he would be one of the top recruits cows ever gotten here automatically like, he could come here and absolutely crap the bed and average 12 and 8 just from being a absolute freak of nature he's a grown man has an nba body as a junior in high school but yeah like i said i think i think kentucky's best bet right now is to rock with sophomore keon brooks yeah i i, I agree um while it would obviously be awesome to get a guy like Jonathan Kaminga for, I mean, if nothing else outside of, you know, his on court talent, I mean, he's, he's the number one prospect arguably in all of high school basketball for a reason. I mean, he's, he's a, a transcendent talent. Um, but if nothing else to kind of get that, the UK gets the number one recruit in the nation. Once again, that kind of head, you know, the, getting those type of headlines again, um, can do nothing but, but help the program. So, I mean, it, it'd be nothing but good, but, I just don't know if the if the timing is right right now. I don't know if the fit is right. If he if he were to stay in 2021, um, I it would make me think a little bit harder about you know thinking this is a, a possibility. But until until I hear anything otherwise that that he's not gonna make the jump to 2020, I just I just don't know if this fit is right. Although I will say he's liking just about every single UK basketball 
tweet and and post on Instagram and all that stuff. So I don't know. These kids change their minds every every other day, but at this point, I just I don't think it's I don't think it's the the right time for fans to to get all up in arms about uh, a TikTok video of a seventeen year old kid that's very bored in his house. Um, <laughs> yeah, every, everybody's going crazy. Uh, before we move on to that topic, I kind of want to say something about. Uh, I want to go back to the Johnny Juzang situation real quick. I want to ask you something. Yeah. Do you think everybody knows what role Johnny played this year? He's the ninth, tenth man off the bench. Yeah. Or on the on on the depth chart, and. I was watching the 2017 Kentucky North Carolina game earlier. Sadly, everybody knows how that one is. <laughs> we're not all, we're not allowed to talk about watch- that on these airways. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, uh, but I was watching Dominique Hawkins and Derek Willis play, and I remember how good Derek Willis was at times. And Dominique Hawkins was an absolute perfect rotational player off the bench. Played great defense. Would score about eight points in some games and do nothing to hurt you. Do you yeah. think that instead of getting these West Coast guys, because I think that Kentucky has had Try to pull up the numbers while I'm talking, but here it is. Um, they've had 15 players from California since the 70s. Yeah, 70 was the first year they've had a player from the from California, and only four of them completed their eligibility in Kentucky. And do you think that instead of getting players like Johnny Juzang to come in or Jamal Baker, you think they should get more? They got Dante Allen, but do you think they should go after more like Kai Kai Tandy's? JJ Trainer, you know JJ. I think is better than any of those players I just named. Yeah, I I think that there's a ton of value in getting a guy that that desperately wanted wants to be here, grew up wanting to be here. Um, you know, it, it's kind of tough to differentiate. Does 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 it have to be? A Kentucky kid, or can it be a kid that grew up at, like a Brandon Huntley Hatfield, a a Sky Clark type guy that grew up saying, you know, desperately saying, I want to, I, I desperately want to come to Kentucky. That's my dream school. That's the one I want to go to nonstop. I, I think it's just kind of that mindset change outside of, um, you know, like I think Khalil Whitney came desperately wanted to come to Kentucky because of because he knew that would be his fastest you know he'd be on the fast track to the NBA not necessarily because he desperately wanted to wear Kentucky across his chest and i think if you need to stay in the state and get guys like JJ Trainer get guys like Kiki Kaiki what I, I, Kiki I wanted, Kai Kai Tandy, uh, whatever it is um yeah i i completely agree i really wanted uh what's his name Travion Hollingsworth yeah. a couple of years ago i really wanted him i thought he would have been awesome guy to like be off the bench and develop possibly start by the end of his career i think that Kentucky needs a couple of players that could just buy in and just sit and develop and kind of like Willis and Hawkins did because they were key role. Uh, they played key roles on that 2017 team. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would, would not be a bad idea at all. I think there's a ton of value in that. And, and uh, you know, that, that's my thing about a guy like JJ trainer. I, what we said on this podcast over and over and over again, that that'd be the perfect guy to kind of come in and, accept his role even though we you know you you watched him play a bunch lately and you thought he's he's gonna be an instant impact type guy but initially even when the the hype was kind of building up with him um you know people kind of thought that he could be a guy that comes in understands his role plays 
five, ten minutes for his first year, blossoms into a 15 to 20 minute type guy. And then by year three, he's a superstar. That's kind of, you know, we thought that'd be what what harm would it do to have him sitting on the end of the bench and just represent the state of Kentucky? Same way Dominique Hawkins did for, you know, while he was grinding out his role. Uh, Same way Derek Willis did while he was carving out his role. So. I think those are the kind of guys that if you have 13 scholarships, you might as well use them, um, at least with the 11th or 12th at least. Um, so I don't know. It's it's tough. I understand Calipari doesn't want – you know knows that, knows that when he brings a guy in, he wants them to be – doesn't want them to sit on the bench their entire career. He wants to give them opportunities, and that's why he keeps scholarships at a minimum. But there's, a, there's, there's some push and pull with it, I think. Um, Okay, moving on to the next topic because we want to get to our special guest here very soon. Um, Travis, you had a little bit of, of scoop that uh, on one of the top remaining prospects in the class of 2020 that not to get Kentucky fans too hopeful, but to at least put it on their radar, I guess. Yeah, so I had somebody text me this morning and they ended up calling me. But so, all right, first off, let me say, this is about Greg Brown, who I still have going to Texas. I think he'll be a Longhorn next season. So, so temper your expectations is what I'm going to say. But with that being said, it's come to my attention that Greg's dad reached out to Kentucky last night to tell them that while Texas leads, they're not a lock for Texas. He doesn't. His dad somehow magically doesn't understand where all this Texas buzz is coming from, even though Greg himself said that if Shaka stayed at Texas, that hey, like I'm probably going to go to Texas. And then Texas said that Shaka's staying. So, I mean, put two and two together there. But he mm. al- he also told people close to Kentucky's program that Kentucky has the second best chance of landing uh, that Kentucky has the second best chance of landing Greg behind Texas. So while I don't expect him to be at Kentucky, it's something to watch moving forward. And who knows if he said this to all the other schools that are behind Texas as well, Memphis, Auburn, et cetera. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely an interesting, you know, because we had heard the buzz with Memphis for the last uh, three weeks, probably, um, and until it died down. So I guess the last week has been all Texas, but before that, the Memphis talk was, you know, for the last month or whatever, was was all Memphis. Auburn picked up steam with with the possibility of of Jalen Green and Sharif Cooper kind of being the the lead guards there, and Greg being the high flying athlete to kind of catch all their lobs and and you know be the be the cleanup guy, cleanup superstar in the front court slash on the wing. Um, you know, there's there's been a couple different schools picking up hype. Kentucky picked up a little bit of hype, but it seems like after that official visit to Lexington, it seemed like the majority of of the hype with Greg Brown. While the visit went great, um, that you know the staff did a great job with them, spent a ton of time with them at dinner and kind of talking through film and how they'd use them and all that stuff. It just definitely seemed like um, that it wasn't – going to Kentucky wasn't at the top of his priority list. Rather, being a – you know, staying home at Texas or being part of something special with the, with the new up-and-coming kids in, at, at Auburn, a new up-and-coming coach at, at Memphis. It, there, was, there were a bunch of little dynamics that it just didn't – it never felt like Kentucky was going to be a part of that. But um, – so, do, do you, are you not not changing your mind? Do you think there's any chance that Calipari is able to kind of slide in last second and, and pick him up, or do you th- are you going to hold firm hold firm with Texas? Well, I'll say this: I, I believe that they're going to talk that the Browns are going to talk with Kentucky again here soon. I I think that's going to happen. So, see how that conversation goes, and then go from there. But as of right now, I think he's going to Texas. I'm, I haven't changed my pick. 
if people probably know that a while back he said that Greg is more of a wing that has guard skills and that he did, he wasn't going to play a, a big man role, which he would probably would if he came to Kentucky. But all right, let's get weird here. We got weird last episode with the lineups. Let's get weird here. He wants to play a wing. Okay. He wants to play a three, operate on the perimeter. Right. What if Emmanuel quickly goes pro, Ashton Higgins goes pro. You slide. We've talked about Terrence Clark playing point guard. How about you slide him at point, BJ at two, Greg at the three, Keon at the four, and EJ at the five. It works. That that team couldn't shoot as well, but that team would be smothering on defense and would be athletic as hell. Yeah, they, I mean, it would it would <laughs> that would be that would be a team that would put up such ridiculous highlights and and just be flat out fun for for fans. Um, that'd be that'd definitely be a fan favorite team for sure. But um, yeah, I would definitely worry about shooting on that team and. Um, there, there'd be some other issues there, but it, it's it's definitely something to entertain. Um, I think I think Texas though will give Greg the freedom that him and his family want, and I think that he'll be able to go there and play whatever position he wants if he wants to handle the ball. Because sh- I think he's I think if Greg goes to goes to Texas, that that played a part in Shaka keeping his job to add a little bit of excitement to the program. So yeah. I think Shaka would let him do whatever he wanted next year on the basketball court. Man, you're talking about falling up slash, you know, just just, just staying above water and, and falling into good luck. Like, man, it it seemed like Shaka was done. I mean, they went, what, 17 and 12, 19 and 12, whatever it was, on the year, 9 and 9 in, in, in the conference. They seemed like a team that could have lost in the first round of the Big 12 tournament and then – and then you know potentially miss well, m- miss the tournament all, entirely, and he would have likely been fired almost certainly. The 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 pressure would have been on him. So not only does he keep his job, he stayed media- mediocre and just enough to keep his job. And now odds are pretty darn likely that he's going to end up stumbling onto a, a commitment from a, a top ten you know f- centerpiece of your of your recruiting class in Greg Brown. He's literally just like Tom Crean. Tom Crean still rides the coattails of Dwayne Wade in 03. A <laughs> uh, couple good seasons at Indiana when he had Oladipo and Zeller and a couple other players. But, yeah, Shock is still riding the way from a couple good years at VCU. He hasn't done anything at Texas. Uh, Mo Bamba went there, did absolutely nothing, disappeared. Everybody forgot about him. I'm worried if Greg Brown goes there, he's going to do the same thing. I think he's had one other top recruit, but I can't remember. Jackson Hayes. Well, Jackson Hayes was only a three-star, but yeah, he, I he, mean, I guess he, you could put that feather in your cap that he had a three-star lottery pick. But, hell, Kentucky was flirting around Jackson Hayes So right before he announced for Texas. I believe they offered. I can't remember, though. It was but, it was one of those kind of the same, same thing with J.J. Trainer, where it seemed like they were just starting to pick up their recruitment and, and their interest was peaked, obviously. They were like, okay – you know, maybe this is a guy that we're that we could get serious about, and then boom, he commits to Texas. I think that's I think that's how that whole situation unfolded. It was that would have been a good one. That would definitely been a a, a good one to have. But either way, we have two very special guests coming onto the show right now. None other than future Kentucky basketball point guard Devin Askew and his father Brian. They want to come on the show, talk a little bit to you fans, and I think it'd be it'll be a lot of fun. So um, let's jump right into it. Our interviews with Devin Askew and his father, Brian. I am happy to be joined by our first guest. It is Brian Askew, father of Kentucky basketball signee, Devin Askew. Brian, how are you doing today, man? 
I'm good, Jack. How you doing? I'm I'm doing good. I appreciate you finally. I mean, we've talked about you getting on this show a couple times in the past. I'm glad we were able to finally get it uh, get it happening. First off, how how are you guys doing out there in all in all this madness? Uh, it well, it's just it's just different. You know, it's crazy. The it's weird times right now. We're just trying to do everything. You know, like what everybody else is doing. Take the right steps to be safe, and hopefully, this will get you know, better sooner than later. But as of right now, it's just, we're just mainly in the house and, you know, like uh dad will get out once a day to go work out and then he's right back in the house. And that's about it. It's a little slow right now. What's a, give me a, a day in the life in, in the, the ask you household. What, what are you, you know, what are you guys doing to pass the time? You guys opened up the board games. What, what's the, what's a, a day in the oh, life? <laughs> well, I got, so now I got, so it's all, it's, you know, me and my three boys, my oldest one, DJ, and my Devin, obviously, and then my youngest, Jordan, and then my wife is, she's back and forth uh, from Sacramento to here, so yeah. it's mainly just me and the boys, but uh, yeah, we just, it's we get up right now, and man, we just try to keep busy. Uh, Dev has a lot of uh, online and school work to do, so he's doing that, and then same with my oldest son, since he's in, uh, away back from college, but and my little guy, he's doing his little online stuff too. But just schoolwork, you know, we try to keep ourselves busy by uh, keeping this house clean. And, <laughs> and, you know, we sit around and, and watch movies. That's about it right now. You know, you know it's, it's kind of like the days seem long, long, long. <laughs> now, I know you, you brought up the academic situation. And I know, er, I think uh, early last week, the, the first report kind of came out that Dev officially became a member of the class of 2020. He, he did enough schoolwork, all the um, necessary coursework to, to officially reclass of 2020. I know like he had his letter of intent submitted in the fall, but he's now officially a senior. What, what, you know, what's it kind of like for you as, as a father to, you know, to, to see him put, have that goal in mind, kind of put his mind to it, and then finally you know, achieve that goal as, as uh, his, his high school season kind of comes to a close? Yeah, it's it's been uh it's I mean it's been it's been uh it's from from a parent perspective it's been kind of fun to watch it, just to see him you know put put his head down and grind and you know he when he sets his mind to something he wants it he it, it's fun to watch him go through the process you know obviously there's there's bumps in the roads with everything whether it's basketball life or school you know so and he, it's the same thing but he uh he he grinds man and it's it's when he wants it and he's wanted this you know since he decided to reclass up and you know i think in some people's eyes not knowing where devin was academically we knew where he was and he was he was always great there you know but people not knowing where he was at you know they didn't know if he would be able to make it but i mean he he's our he, he kind of really got that almost out of the way real quick so he's he's fine there he's just finishing up you know necessary at modern day right now online since everybody's out of school and, and he's doing his other online stuff to graduate early but it's it's been fun to it's it, i enjoy watching it as a parent because i i see how how motivated and uh and just committed he is to the process. How how uh, was he juggling? You know, with with being knowing that this was his last year. You know, this is his senior year on the court, and then having to juggle that extra coursework. You know, how 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 well do you think he did? Kind of juggling all those different factors, and kind of how do you yeah. think that that's going to kind of translate to to being being in Lexington? Yeah, it's it's uh, he, he's he's been like that since he's a little kid. You know, he's like he's like the alpha in the family. He's always been like that. He just 
kind of just takes control of what he wants. And, you know, like with the basketball and knowing that he was reclassed enough to go to Kentucky, it, it wasn't a problem because he, he, he wanted to finish at modern day, his commitment to modern day and, and basketball, he was going to finish his, you know, as strong as they could. And he'd give it his all. He never like, you know, wait on like, well, I'm leaving out of here to go to Kentucky, something better, this or that. It, no, it was like, he was going to give it all for modern day. And then, you know, after the after the season's over, now he's focusing well with all this stuff going on now, but yeah. he's still committed to that and he's driven. You know, he he's always looking at the next, you know, how is he gonna prepare for the next st- stage. With with this being his last year um at the high school level on the court, um kind of give me a, a little season re- in review. What did you know, what did what did you you know, what were your biggest takeaways with him um kind of on the court? How do you think he, he progressed? Uh what were some of the some of the things you thought he needed to work on as what he still needs to work on as he as he gets to yes. Kentucky next season? Um kind of just what a little uh, season in review for me. Yeah, he uh well, modern day, you know, obviously is you know, prestigious high school and you know, name speaks loud, but uh, he he just he just went into the season like he has, you know, and just he wanted to control, you know, lead the team and help the team win in whatever way Coach McKnight and the staff at Modern Day wanted to do. Whether you know, you know, he understands the level of players around him and everything. He's got to get people involved, confident wise, and everything, and then he can build off that and go. But he had a he had a great year, you know. I mean, it didn't it didn't end the way we always you know we all wanted. He, obviously, he wanted to make a you know, get to the state championship, but they had a great run. They lost to a tough Sierra Canyon team and, and you know, but other than that, he, I mean, he, he did great. He, he led the team. He, you know, put up good numbers here and there, but the most important thing to him is always he'll sacrifice anything to win. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't get caught up in, in numbers and I got to do this for, you know, you know, for a ranking or whatever. He, he's just going to go out there and lead his team and whatever it takes to win, he's going to put himself in position to do that. Now, switching over a little bit to, uh, you know, kind of his decision to go to Kentucky and kind of your part in that. I know we, we talked a little bit in the past about how, you know, your visit to, to Lexington was just kind of like this, this you know, way, you know big eye-opener for you. you the, the Lexington experience was something that you guys didn't know necessarily what you were going to see when you got there, but it was a pleasant surprise either way. So what, what was the kind of the biggest takeaway about that visit to Lexington uh, that kind of, you know, switched the, the men- momentum toward Kentucky that uh, kind of ultimately led him to, to signing signing with UK yeah well obviously you know you know what Kentucky you you know everybody knows what Kentucky is as far as basketball and you know I just didn't we didn't know as a family too much of like you know how what the town was and you know how you know if it was you know how how Devin would translate you know relate to that and but I mean when we went out there and we went on the visit obviously we knew from the basketball standpoint what we were getting from the whole coaching staff, the tradition there with basketball, uh, we knew. And that's what we, that's the first part. That's what we love the most. Cause that's at the end of the day, that's all Devin wants. He wants a basketball school. You know, he wants like that coaching staff is perfect. I believe for Devin, but, but when we left Lexington, it was like, man, the, the, we, we fell in love with the short time we were there is like, we fell in love with the little, the little city, you know, it was, yeah. it was cool, man. It was, I mean, it was more than what we expected to believe me. You know, it was a lot of, a lot of great people, restaurants, obviously, but more importantly, the most important thing is the basketball. Mm-hmm. That community is so into basketball and that's what Devin wants. You know, he didn't really want to go to a school where there was a big football school. He want he wanted a basketball school and, you know, Kentucky puts all that on the table. 
now being being all the way out on the on the west coast and and seeing this season kind of um, from afar watching Kentucky what, as a a commit and signee um, and and being obviously the the father of a signee what what were you watching particular to see how how Devin would be kind of utilized and what did you think about just this this Kentucky season as a whole you know did you think that they were a, a national title contender do you you know what 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 did you think uh, kind of watching from afar oh well it I love it. We watched, I mean, to be honest, we, you know, I was in touch, you know, I was in touch with the coaching staff a lot. And I, you know, you know, Joel, I would talk a lot about every game. I watched almost every game, you know, whether I was here or I went and saw him live in Vegas, you know, the, we went last year, Devin didn't go with it, but right after the Sierra Candy game, we flew out, took a red eye out to watch the Auburn, the, uh, the, the last game at, at home, Auburn oh, yeah. game. So it was it was awesome. I mean, it, 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 they were such a fun group to watch because just watching them grow every game. I, I was just telling some of this the other day. It was it was so it was uh, it's the character of the coaching staff and the, and the kids, like how they how they prepare. It's just every game they got better, you know. And you know, I mean, every game they were just competing to you know, like it, it was fun to watch. You know, from every player that stepped foot on that court, you know. And I and, and I look at it from Devin. I mean that's what he's built for right there. You know he 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 loves he loves the way that system is. He loves how every kid is held you know accountable for for every action on the court to you know you know all those kids buying into each other. It, it's just like it's, it's one big family. You know and he he loves it. We love it. Now, yesterday, um, the, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this over text, but um, Johnny Juzang officially transferred, or he at least put his name in the transfer portal, um, kind of put out a quote that, that he's going to miss the, miss his Kentucky family and all that. You know, you're he's from from that area out in the West Coast. He's a he's an LA kid. Um, you know, what seeing that kind of happen and kind of seeing some of the other you know LA kids and and just West Coast kids that have, that have transferred out of Kentucky. Does does that kind of give you any? Does that worry you at all, um, or or do you kind of see the 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 kind of differences between between all the situations? Yeah, it doesn't worry me at all. And you know, first of all, Johnny and his family, great people, great kid. The kid's a, you know, he's a talent, and I think Coach Cal and the whole staff knows that. And you know, it just I can't really speak on whatever happened, this and that. But I mean. Johnny will be fine, you know, and I think everybody knows that. But I, as as far as uh, like me worrying about that or Devin worrying about that, no, not at all. I think every, you know, I know a lot of they put a lot on that. You know, West Coast kids can't, you know, handle that stuff, and, and you know they get homesick, which they do a lot, you know. But I, I've always, I think I told you this last time when we talked out at Hoop Hall, you know, it's like Devin is never he's always made it very clear he wanted to leave California to go play basketball, you know, and he's never been, a, he's a homebody as, as, as far as like his family, he loves us and this and that. he loves being around us. But as far as that, he's never had a problem with that. He loved to be honest with you, that to get out of LA takes a lot of, you know, he, he's not into everything. He's out of ways. He can concentrate on just playing basketball, Kentucky and, and, and developing into a better player. So no, he has no worry whatsoever on either one of us. You know what? Who's gone there? Who 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 has left? Who you know? None of that. It's, it's this is based on Devin and how he wants to go and handle himself, and I think he's mature enough to do it. We'll we'll end it with with this final one. Um, 
you know, when when you look at 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 these next couple months and and Devin's, you know, d- barring we don't know what's going to happen with with all this coronavirus stuff and and all that, but yeah. but when when he finally gets to Lexington, what and, and kind of approaches his his freshman year, what would you say is the one goal, kind of the biggest takeaway that you want Devin to to have um, in his first year at Kentucky, kind of um, saying goodbye to his high school career and, and opening the door to to that. Um, you know, his, his college career. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity for a, uh, for a new, a new beginning, you know, and I, I think and in every step for him, you know, I can't tell you for, I've been around a lot of these kids going through this process. I, I just worry about, you know, I only worry about Devin and Devin only worries about Devin and how he can prepare to, to fit in and succeed at whatever stage it was, whether it was going from middle school to high school. Now it's going to be from, you know, even in the, even in the, the high school levels, you know, you have to, you have to be a different player when you play in camp style basketball, EYBL and then high school. And I, and I really feel like Devin is, you know, he's a bit of a, a chameleon to me you know, he, he adapts, he, 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 whatever is in front of him, he'll adapt to that situation. And he's, and I think he's proven that in front of a lot of people, you know, but as far as the, the next step to Kentucky, shoot, he just got to put his head down, grind, trust the process, and, and, you know, buy into what Coach Cal and that staff wants him to be. You know, I think when you start getting out of your head and trying to be, you know, too many things come into place, like, oh, I got to do this to be to get out of here or this or that. No, you just, you just play for that moment and, and, and have success in the moment and you'll succeed. Perfect. Well, uh, I appreciate you joining me, and uh, with that, we can uh, switch switch this thing over to to our conversation with with Devin. What's up, Jack? What's good? How are you, man? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm hanging in there. Uh, you ready to jump right in? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Perfect. Um. Well, right off the bat, man, what what is what is, has this last week been like for you? The last two weeks, kind of seeing the whole sports world shut down. You being you know needed to be quarantined in the house and all that. How how have you been keeping busy? Um. Man, just just been just been going to the gym and staying in the house doing doing homework and playing video games. <laughs> That's about it. But um, at least once a day I'm getting out the house and uh, I go and work out because I for sure don't want to stop playing basketball. I need to stay sharp, um, especially for getting ready for next year and then just staying in shape. So I get out of the house once a day um, and then work out. And then other than that, I'm in the house with the family, either watching movies, schoolwork, or video games. <laughs> has, uh, has the UK coaching staff kind of reached out to you and kind of, you know, how – how do they address it with you? Kind of like, uh, you know, we got to make sure you're staying in shape. You want to, you know, keep you sharp. Like, ha- have you had any conversations with them yet about kind of preparing for college without, you know, being able to, you know, actually train, actually be in the gym with, you know, real competition, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, um, just talking, just talking with the coaches, just making sure I just stay in shape and then come in there prepared and ready. So don't, don't come in there out of shape. I mean, I just, if I come in there in shape and prepare, that just helps the team more. So we're all on the same track. But um, that that benefits me, myself, and the team. So just staying in shape and coming there um, in shape and ready to go. 
Now, the, 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 biggest, the biggest story with you this past week was that you officially uh, became a member of the senior class. You're now in 2020. I know you reclassed back in, you know, you, you announced that you were going to reclass back in the fall, uh, officially s- submitted your letter of intent, but um, you, know, you officially fi- finish up your coursework to kind of, you know, officially make that jump. Um, how exciting is that and to kind of put, put that goal in front of you and to, to achieve it, um, even given all the, the outside stuff going on right now? Um, man, it means a lot. Um, just to know that um I'm one step closer to my goal, which is playing basketball at the collegiate level. And then from there I'm one more uh, I'm I'm one step closer to my ultimate goal. So just it's exciting to uh keep going through the process and keep building up so it's cool for for people that don't know you know everybody talks about reclass every single year there's you know 10 20 type you know reclass guys from from the from the year ahead for people that don't know how that process works like how how hard is it to officially make a jump up like that uh like how many extra hours a week do you have to put in focusing on that what's what's your uh your what was your daily your weekly schedule like with uh with all that added um, coursework on on to you um it was tough it's it's tough it's not it's not easy it's um it requires you to be a lot more dedicated to uh, your work uh on and off the court with school and basketball so it's just like you have to manage manage your time like really really well and just just putting like making schedules and just like setting the time like setting aside time to do specific school work whether that's for my senior class or to get my regular school work done and it's tough so at school I try to get all my my regular school work done from modern day and get that knocked out so then when I come home I can work out and then when I get back to my workout I can focus on my my senior year classes so it's tough it uh, takes up a lot of time but it's something I wanted to do and I I knew I had to sacrifice some things to do it, so it was it was all good. When I talked to your dad up at up at Hoop Hall, um, talking about the reclass process and all that, he said one of the toughest parts of the whole thing was uh, was knowing that you guys were that you were going to ultimately make that jump, but not being able to tell anybody about it and, and kind of you know you could you could kind of tell that toward the end of that process that you were starting to get a little frustrated, you know, with everybody asking you that same question over and over again. So one, yeah. how frustrating was it to be asked over? and over again and then two how long did you actually know uh before you actually made the announcement that you were actually gonna make the jump it, it was frustrating because like there would be one media source that would ask me literally a, a day before like what i was doing and i would get on and tell them what i was doing and then obviously the, the world sees that post and then some more people want to call me and ask me the same thing. It's like, just read the post. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they obviously just they obviously quoted me in the in in the in the in the in the message or whatever they said. So, but and then what was the, what was the second part of the question uh, about about how long you you know even though you had been getting asked those questions, how long did you actually know that you were, that you were at least gonna, that you were strongly considering that you were most likely going to make the jump, even though if you, even if you didn't necessarily make the official decision, but when did you kind of have that, that idea? Like, all right, yeah, I think this is, I think this is the move for me. Um, I had that idea. I would say probably a couple of weeks after P jam. Okay. I knew what, I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew I was ready because I was thinking, like, I'm a junior right now, and I'm playing 17s, EYBL, 
and these kids are all going to college after this after their senior year. Right. But I'm gonna have another year of high school. No, I don't want to do that. I'm competing. Like I'm I'm hanging in with every single top player at that level. I'm I'm good enough to do this. Like I, I can hold my own wherever I go. And I knew I was ready to take the next step and compete at a higher level. And that's what I wanted to do. Was there a coach or school in particular that kind of, you know, did, did John Calipari talk to you and say, hey, man, you don't have, you know, you, you can make this jump. You know, physically you are, you are ready to make this jump. Was it a specific coach or school that, because I know at that time you weren't necessarily set on Kentucky or, you know, I know the, the yeah. buzz was starting to pick up, but was, it, was there an individual school or coach that kind of uh, helped you with that process and made you go, you know what, I, I think this might be the best move for me? Um, it was Kentucky, actually. So, um, Man, I mean, Kentucky coach Cal got on the phone with me and told me like, "Dev, you're you're good enough. You're good enough to do this, and we want you to do it, and we want you to be in the class of 2020 and come in and be a point guard for for our team." And that just because I was already having thoughts about it, um, and I was like, "Man, if he believes in me, he knows what he's not going to push a player into a and not going to put a player into a bad situation. So if he believes in me, it, it's real." And I obviously believe in myself that I can do it. So that was that. That's what started it. And then all these other coaches following up. They didn't. They didn't really talk to me like how Coach Cal did. They just were like, "We'll take you in either class. You're good enough to go either class." Right. So and then from there, the the decision was just up to me. But um, it really just stuck out to me about how like Coach Cal really believed in me and and, and knew I could believe I could succeed in the 2020 class and that's what that's what I like so your your recruitment obviously wasn't wasn't an easy one I mean for the for there were like the, that three-month process that pretty much everybody thought that you were going to end up at Louisville. And uh, I talked to your dad. Yeah. You know, he he you know he was hyping up Chris Mack and and said you know talked about how much you you guys love that program. And I mean, shoot, it, it's kind of tough yeah. not to like a guy like Chris Mack. He's doing it the right way, yeah, and, and great, you know, it's great yeah, guy, great, great guy, great program, and all that. Um, was that that shift that that conversation you just talked to me about? Was that shift kind of the start of your like, all right, I not only want to make the jump to um, to 2020, but maybe that the 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 right decision for me will be to make the jump to 2020 and play at Kentucky rather than make the jump to 2020 and and play somewhere else, likely Louisville or, or some of your other options. Um, yeah, that was that was yeah that was part of the the decision. But I mean, just sitting down and seeing how Kentucky played really made me choose Kentucky and made like made me make that decision because. Ultimately, I'm not going to choose a school off of what a coach says. I got to see how they play and see if I fit into the system first. But um, yeah, it was that decision. I mean that that conversation really helped it. Um, so that was that was a big that was a big plus. So, so your dad also said that that um, that trip to Lexington for you that you didn't you guys didn't really know what Lexington was about. You didn't know what the city was like and and all that. And he he said that. It was kind of this like game changer for you guys. It was like it was eye opening to see the city of Lexington. He said that you liked the horses. That you guys went to uh, Keeneland, saw the horses. Said that, that there were so many little tiny things about that visit that you didn't even realize that that you would have been interested in, and and that that you ended up falling in love with. Talk me through that visit and what what is it like to be a a high profile uh, recruit taking an official visit to Lexington? Um, it's cool. I mean. Like you said, I'm from the West Coast. I don't know too much about Kentucky 
and uh like many places out that way so just getting out there i didn't i didn't know what to expect but when i got out there it was like a it was for sure a little uh, a welcoming town it's just very chill which is which is cool it just can keep me focused on basketball and just keep me in the gym so that's what i liked about it and then just they had really good food out there <laughs> which i liked a lot and then the coaching staff was just really cool like 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 really down to earth coaches that are going to be honest with you and and get on you when when you're not doing well and and support you when you're doing well so it's it was just all around cool what was the uh what what kind of food are we talking what was the best restaurant you went to and uh what you know name name some of the other little uh lexington food spots that you went to um shoot we <laughs> we we had a lot of food uh there's a lot of a lot of steaks, uh, ri- uh, ribs, and I mean whatever is on the plate. I just kind of ate it. It was all pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, with with Cal Perry's pitch and kind of how um, so. I've heard like you know w- when you when you come in on a visit, a lot of it is f- kind of film oriented. That you got that you kind of break down film and say, okay, this is how we want to use you in this system. How did he say that that he was going to use you in that system? And, and kind of what were his personal goals for you? Um, not only just you know during his recruitment, but like for you know during your time at Kentucky. I mean, just come in and be a leader, be a point guard, and help lead the team. And he, one of the things he told me, he he was like you you have a knack for winning you have and you fight and the way i i like i really love leading a team and that's not leading a team is not always just scoring the ball and doing everything leading the team can be recognizing one of my teammates is is killing that game let's make sure we all get him the ball like that's the knack for winning that i i i have and i know i have it's not to be selfish in ways where i have to do it all no I see when other people are doing better in certain games and we know we have to get him the ball because he's hot and he's doing this better than he is. So we got to focus on him right now. And it's, and it, it changes every game. So just being a leader and just being, being out there on the court and leading them, that's, that's what he liked about me. And then I know that about myself. So when he said that, I was like, Oh, he understands me. Now you you got named to you know, speaking of competition and being uh, you know you know thriving under under competition and, and under pressure stuff like that. You were named to the Jordan Brand Classic. You know the the All Star season um, obviously canceled, but the the build up to it. You know the the McDonald's game. You you weren't selected for that. What was you know what's it like to be selected for a, a, an event like the Jordan Brand Classic? But then also knowing that you know you, you know that chip on your shoulder that you get with with not being included in the McDonald's selections? Um, I mean, growing up as a kid, you watched both of those games, the Jordan Brand Classic and the McDonald's All-American, and just to get one of them, it's just like, man, like, I've dreamed of playing in one of these games when I, when I get older. And to make it happen, it was is super cool because growing up, I was always kind of like, I was in the background behind a couple players growing up, and no one really believed that I could do what I'm doing now. So it's it's really an eye opener to people and and exciting to me to be like, man, I uh, I really like been working so hard and I got here. So let's 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 go have fun out there in that game. And then not being selected for the McDonald's All American game is, I mean, it's tough. But all those you gotta give credit to all those kids. I'm 
everyone that was selected for that game deserves it. Um, they're all great players, and they worked hard to get in that game. And there's some of those players that got selected for the McDonald's game that didn't get selected for the Jordan Brand game. So it's just, it's just the the the, the decision was made, and I wasn't selected for the McDonald's game, which is all right. Um, it just helps me. It just makes me want to work harder, even though even though getting selected for the Jordan Brand game makes me even want to work harder, not being selected also makes me want to work harder. So, I mean, all together, I just want to work harder. So it just pushes me in both aspects. So the, that Jordan game, there were UK had four selections. You, you know, you, Devin, uh, you uh, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, and Isaiah Jackson. Um, you know, a lot of fans kind of saw that as an opportunity for the first time, you know, the first time that they'd be able to see you guys on, on that national stage. And, and now, it, you know, I don't, I don't know if they've officially canceled that Iverson Classic yet, but I think every other major event has been canceled. So the next time we'll be seeing you guys is, is uh, um, you know, this fall, I and guess. Blue, um, what, what, white. Yes, sir. Yeah, what's your, what's your relationship like with all those? So I, I talked to you in the past. I talked to uh, Cam Fletcher. I did an interview with him. Uh, BJ Boston said the same thing, that you guys have this group message where you guys talk all the time. You know, wh- tell me wh- what goes on in this group message. What, what do you all talk about? Uh, we just talk about how we're excited to play with each other next year. It's gonna be fun. We got a we got a great group of uh of people. Uh, man, name them all: Lance Ware, uh, Cam Fletcher, B.J. Boston, T. Clark, uh, Isaiah Jackson. It's just I'm excited. It's, uh, it's all great players, and if you don't like playing with great players, and Kentucky's not the place for you, and we all like playing with really good players, so it's gonna be exciting. We all we all joke around in there. Um, and we just talk about how we can't wait to play with each other, so it's cool. Give me a a, a scouting report of of each of them. It doesn't it doesn't have to be long, but what's a you know if somebody has never seen any any highlight of any of of the the other five signees, obviously you know they might be living under a rock. But if yeah. they, if they have <laughs> if they haven't, well, give me a give me a little short scouting report of of all of them. Um, man, uh, Lance Ware, man. Fundamental, big guy. He's a dog. He's uh, super aggressive, and he'll bang down there in the post. And he his energy is, is crazy. So Cam Fletcher, uh, a wing that's super athletic and versatile, plays hard defense. Um, he like like with him, he's super aggressive as well. Um, BJ Boston can shoot the shoot the lights out the ball. Um, he's tall and he can he can play he can play two two through four so uh, T Clark he just like he's like his offense game is crazy so and he's just hype he's just a super super like emotional player out there he gets everyone hyped so it's cool I think Isaiah Jackson Isaiah Jackson man <laughs> bounce that's all I gotta say <laughs> he has his athleticism is crazy. Um, so obviously the NBA draft is kind of a, like, nobody has any idea what's going on with that. I think Calipari was quoted. He said something like, you know, they were asking like, oh, how many players do you think are going to leave for the draft? And he said something like, man, yeah, I think four or five might explore, but like, is there even going to be an NBA draft? Is there going to be like an NBA draft process and all that? So obviously there's like, there's so much that, that people don't know, but, um, you know, as of right now, 
do you think this team, you know, the, the roster that you guys have, uh, you know, do you think that they need any pieces, like a, a grad transfer, uh, you know, a Greg Brown, somebody like that? Is it, do, you, do you think you guys would be confident with the, with the way it is right now, or, or are, you, are you, you know, looking to add a, a piece or two? Um, I mean, I honestly don't know what, 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 what will be coming in or what will be leaving, but, hey, with whoever stays and who, whoever comes in, it's, if no one st- if no one comes in, I'm I I feel confident myself with the the group of kids that's coming in. Even though we'll be young, young, we'll we'll grow as the year goes on. And so, but if someone comes in, it's just bit like add another piece. Like it only gets better. So I'm confident with either 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 where it goes. Now, one one person we we do know did leave, and I know I talked to your dad a little bit about this. Um, um I'm sure people are asking you a bunch of questions because you're an LA kid. You know, you're you're a California kid. Um, Johnny Juzang transferred yesterday, or announced that he's going to enter the transfer portal, and and kind of this is now the you know you 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 got on the list. Johnny Jamal Baker last year, Kyle Wilcher a couple years ago, Marcus Lee. It's like. You know, Calipari kind of has a not necessarily a great track record with at least guys sticking around and 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 you know that that are from the West Coast, whether it be homesickness and all that. What what is your response to the guys that you know? I've seen some people on social media like, "Oh man, I hope Devin's not the next the next person." Like, what is your mindset when you see stuff like that? And uh, you know, how how do you approach being a West Coast kid as you're about to uh, make that jump to Lexington? Um, I'm different. I'm way different. Um, I I live in the West Coast, but I don't play like a West Coast player at all. Nope. I play like an East Coast kid. I like to be physical. Um, that's just my game. Um, even though those are great players, all the players you named are great players, and they all they all have fun. That when they were at Kentucky, it's just they wanted to do something that was better for them. But I'm different. I know I'm gonna fight through adversity, and I'm. If I don't get out in one year, I'm staying at Kentucky. I'm a, I'm, I'm a grind it out. That's for sure. It, it, is that something that you think that this whole recruiting class kind of shares? You know, because we, we you, know, you you said Cameron Fletcher, he's a dog. He's a you know, he's a grindy guy. You know, grinded out type of guy. Lance Ware, you know, everybody knows him as being a tough guy. You know, I watched him at hoop yeah. ball. I watched him at hoop ball going against Evan Mobley, and it was like, man, it was like he he just unleashed something I never even saw out of him. He he went crazy out there. That you know, kid, that kid, that kid is good. Yeah, I'm telling you, Lance, Lance he's. In my eyes, he's so underrated. He's gonna sock. He's gonna sock everyone. I'm telling you, he's a he's a dog. And and you know, with him, you you got BJ Boston, who literally went from Georgia. He transferred out to that area just so he could kind of you know get that competition. You go down the list. That it seems like your whole recruiting class kind of thrives on that. I'm different mindset. Is do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, we we're we're just a group of kids. I I feel like that we all love to compete. We all like to be in those close games, those competitive games, and that are all made off of like last last minute decisions. And we like to be in those situations and play in those situations. So with with this last year, and obviously the the season kind of ended abruptly, and and uh, you know we never got to see whether or not this team was a national title contender. What you know what you know that we didn't know if this this team had an Harrison, Aaron Harrison in them, a you know a, a clutch gene guy. We didn't we we weren't able to see that. What did you see from this team watching from afar? Um, did you think that this was a team capable of winning a national championship? Of course, of course. I mean, I feel like I mean. Everyone on that team, 
Ashton Haggins, Mayo Quickly, Nick Richardson, EJ, Tyrese, even Johnny when he got in there, uh, Keon. Um, I'm not missing anyone, right? I don't think so. Oh, Nick, Nick, Nick's, Nick's, uh, Nate Stina. Stina. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the way they played, the way they all gelled together, it was, it was fun to watch. And it was cool, man. And they were, at, towards the end, like, towards the end, of the, they were, like, really getting it. And I, I saw Coach Cow's, uh, I forgot if it's Instagram or, or Twitter tweet. He said, he believed that this was the the year for them to win a national championship. Like this is the team, yeah. And I agree. Like they they were doing like really good things, and they were really playing together. So it was it was fun to watch, and it obviously inspired me to be like come in next year and continue that, continue that. Do obviously we we talked about the the NBA draft decisions. This could you know as a basketball player, if if you were in their shoes and you kind of had your title dreams ripped out of your hands um because of this you know a, a national championship at the college level um how would you know you you talk about your fight and your toughness how would that change your mindset as you approach the nba draft process like you know is do you think that this could be a year that that college basketball players across the country they go you know what i might be ready for the nba right now but i had this ripped out of my hands and now you know now I want to come back and do it so it, with, with this team in particular you know could you see uh an Emmanuel quickly come back could you see uh an EJ th- those type of, of fringe guys that could go could stay and uh what would be your your mindset if if UK does get a couple surprise returnees um hey that's great man quickly comes back hey that's cool that's that's just an extra really 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 good piece like uh EJ comes back man that's that's even better. Like, but um, just yeah, it's 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 amazing, honestly. And it, it would be cool if some players do that. And then, but but I know Coach Cal. Like, he's the type of player. He's the type of coach where if if you can get out and it's your time to go get your money, go get your money. Yeah. Like, he the NBA is a once in a lifetime opportunity, and when you have that chance, you got to jump on it. And you don't want to miss out on the opportunity, but um, man, if if Quick comes back, if EJ comes back, let's get it. It's dope. Let's go. <laughs> All right, I, I'm not gonna keep you any longer, man. Give me one final final shout out to the Big Blue Nation. What what is? Give me uh, the the one reason why Kentucky fans should be excited to to see you in Lexington next year. Um, energy, the energy, and let's let's be prepared. Let's get some wins. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate both you and your dad coming on. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I look look forward to talking to you in, in the next couple months, man. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Be safe. Man.